So let me ask you a question as we begin today. How many of you like to eat? Can I get some amens there? No, so somebody tell me your favorite thing to eat. What's your favorite thing? Harry, what's your favorite thing to eat? Meat. Vegetarian Harry right here at the front. Steak. Mexican food. There you go. What would you say there? Mashed potatoes. I said veg potatoes, but mashed potatoes. That's good, Teresa. Thank you. Lima beans. I heard lima beans somewhere. Pizza. Chocolate cake. Can I get an amen in the house of the Lord today? There we go. How many of you, let me ask you this. How many of you have ever had a meaningful conversation around a meal? Right? Yeah. Yeah, all the time, right? That's one of those places that we eat. One of the things we, you know, um, we have four children. We have uh, our oldest son is 10 and our youngest daughter is just uh, is eight months. And so, yeah, yeah, all right, that's right. Life is coming at me, all right? One of the things that we try to do is to have dinner together. Because it's that moment that you get to sit around and talk. Today we're going to talk about a subject called being rescued from religion. We talked about rescue earlier today, and that Easter is about a rescue. And one of the things that Jesus came to rescue us from is religion. And let me just tell you something real quickly. The group of people gathered in this room today, here in Holy Week services, are probably the people that need to hear about being rescued from religion as much as anybody. Because we're the religious people. Right? For the most part, we're the people that are coming. We're the people, hey, Holy Week services, we're there. You don't have many seekers. Now, we may have some seekers here today. We do. I'm glad. glad. But most of the time, you don't have seekers at Holy Week. This is for the religious. And yet, we're going to talk about the fact that Jesus came to rescue us from religion. And he taught this lesson particularly one time around a meal. You realize Jesus ate a lot. Right? When the Pharisees got mad about Jesus, what did they accuse him of? Eating and drinking with sinners. In fact, right before this story we're going to talk about, he said, listen, John the Baptist came and he didn't eat anything. He didn't drink anything. He was, as we would refer to in the Baptist church, a teetotaler. And you said he had a demon. And I come, and Baptists don't like to talk about this, eating and drinking. And you say, i got a demon. So which is it? And he taught. In fact, in the book of Luke, there are several meals where he talks and teaches around the meal. In Luke chapter 7, i just let you know, just a, we're not going anywhere near Holy Week yet. I'll leave that for the rest of the week, all right? But we're going to get on the front end because I want us to realize that this week, as we're gathering here together, as we're talking together, as we're praying together, as we're singing together, as we're learning together, is not about a religion. It's not about a set of things we do. It's not about checking things off our list. This is about God Almighty sending His Son in order to save us from our sins so that a relationship develops, not a religion. And in Luke chapter 7, if you've got your Bibles, you can turn there. If not, you can just listen. Luke chapter 7, starting in verse 
36, it tells us about one of these meals that Jesus went to. He ate with sinners. He ate with tax collectors. But here's the thing. Jesus ate with anybody that wanted him to come. It's kind of like when I was growing up, I, 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 my first few years, I was a part of a church called Southside Baptist Church. And Southside Baptist Church was outside of a small town in, in West Tennessee called Dyersburg. And it was on the outskirts of Dyersburg. How many of you ever heard of Dyersburg? Praise be to God. All right. It was on the outside of Dyersburg. And it was on the outskirts, and we didn't have very many people. We had about 100, 150 people that came. That was a great church, loved that church, grew up. But we didn't keep a preacher very long. It just They came in, and they go out. and So we had lots of interim preachers, lots of short-timers that come in for a little bit. And the preacher always went to whoever's house invited him on Sunday. Now, a lot of times I was at my grandparents' house, and I'd be there, but... Just whoever invited Well, Jesus was kind of like an interim preacher. He walked around. He went to different places. Somebody invited him. He went. And in this particular story, it's a Pharisee that invites him. Verse 36 says, one of the Pharisees invited him to eat with him. He entered the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. Now, we, we, it is so hard for us to imagine things differently than we experience in them. And so when you recline at the table, we think, I don't recline at the table. I eat while recline. Anybody else do that? In my lazy boy with the TV remote in my hand, I've done that. But at the table, they would often, the tables would be low. They'd be about this high, and they would, they would sit and put their feet out and lean on the table. And so you got to get this picture. They're, they're doing that. Now, at a Pharisee's house, it was probably a pretty wealthy Pharisee from what we gathered. And, and as they were there, their meal, their area would have been kind of open. They would have had it to where it wasn't the interior of the house, but there would have been, in fact, some of them had like an open window where anybody could walk up and see them while they were eating. And Pharisees would often host these kind of meals in order to have theological discussions. Now, if they invited Jesus over, what do you think they're going to discuss? Jesus, right? Who is he? What's he doing? What's your plan? What's your agenda? Are you with us? Are you against us? What are we figuring out? You know, the Pharisee's house are reclined at the table. Verse 37 is that dun-dun-dun moment. And a woman in the town who was a sinner found out that Jesus was at the Pharisee's house to eat. She brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil, stood behind him at his feet weeping, and began to wash his feet with her tears. She wiped his feet with the hair of her head, kissing them and anointing them, with the fragrant oil. You've you got to get the picture here. They're sitting around eating. They're probably talking about deep theological matters. And into the room walks a woman from town who was a sinner. An uninvited guest in a Pharisee's home. And as she walks up, she goes directly to Jesus. In fact, her mission, her desire, her only thing to do there is to get to Jesus. And she gets to Jesus, she notices him. And emotion overwhelms her. In fact, just hearing the word cry doesn't kind of give, doesn't give the picture here. Some of us are criers. Amen? Some of us are hold our emotions a little closer to the vest, but... Some of us, when old Yeller's on TV, the tears are flowing. Right? I mean, and the picture we get here is not of somebody that's sniffling and holding back tears. This is somebody that has let it go. 
And so she's bad. She's Jesus. In fact, it tells us that so many tears are flowing. She uses the tears from her eyes and the oil to anoint his feet. And it also says another little detail there that that we kind of miss because in our culture, it's not a big deal. But it says she wiped his feet with her hair. Now, Paul will tell us that the hair is the woman's glory. And she was using the hair to do the lowest thing imaginable. It also doesn't tell us this because they just kind of knew this. But one thing a lady never did in public was let her hair down. The only place that a lady let her hair down was in the privacy of her home with her husband. It's an extravagant, expensive, passionate act of devotion to Jesus. And the religious people don't like it. Let's get a little honest with ourselves here. If somebody demonstrated an act comparable in our society and our culture to the extravagant, passionate, expensive worship that this lady did, it would make most of our churches uncomfortable as well. Jesus uses the moment to teach us three things that he has rescued us from, from religion. Verse 39 tells us that when the Pharisee who had invited him, so this is his house, saw this, he said to himself, how do you speak to yourself? Anybody talk to themselves? Uh, Yeah. I don't think he did it out loud because if he did it out loud, it would have been out loud to everybody else. Just to himself. So he's thinking it. This is kind of the phrase there. This man, woo, we got our answer about Jesus. Because if he were a prophet, everybody's saying he's a prophet. If he was a prophet, he would never let her get near him. He's not a prophet. He doesn't know. If he was a prophet, he'd know who she is. I love how Jesus says, hey, Simon, hey, I got to tell you something. Something's going, say it. Jesus is about to prove he's a prophet because he's about to tell him what he's thinking. And he says, a creditor has two debtors. One owed him 500 denarii. That's a day's wage. So you can imagine a year and a half of labor. And the other owed him 50 or a month and a half of labor. Since they couldn't pay it back, he graciously forgave them both. So which one of them do you think will love him more? Simon answered, I suppose the one he forgave more. You have judged correctly, he said. Here's the first thing that religion will do and reason it's hazardous to our health is religion prevents us from seeing our own sin. Right? Simon looks at her and says, she's a sinner. Why are you letting him touch? And Jesus says, she's a sinner. You are too. You have mistakenly placed yourself in a category called holy and her in one called unholy, when the truth is there are two categories. There's holy and unholy, but there's only one man that's ever lived that's in the holy. And I'm sitting at the table with you, and you're not it. You have wrongly classified yourself. And he tells this parable about the debtors. Now just imagine for a minute. Anybody out there have a house note or a car note or a credit card note? Anybody? No, we're on church. We're not going to admit that, all right? I got them. You know you get that note, that statement every month? If it's a house you're paying off, it's got the what you still owe. Isn't that depressing? Especially in those first five years because it doesn't go down. Like, I paid a lot of money. Why didn't it go down? 
right? You get a car note the week after you just put new tires on the car and you realize how much you still owe on the car. You get one of those credit card statements that go, ooh, I forgot I spent that. Imagine if you got a credit statement from the Lord every month about what you had done wrong. Right? Just listed wrong thoughts or actions or words or attitudes. But wouldn't that be fun every month? I think I'd avoid the mailbox on that day. Right? Return to sender. He looks at Simon and he says, listen, you got a credit that you cannot pay. A debt that is in your balance that you don't have a chance to get rid of. And so does she. You ever notice that religious people, including church people like us, are really good at seeing the faults of others in society and person and families and relationships and are terrible at seeing our own stuff? That's why Jesus says to get the plank out of our own eye, right? Then he goes on to talk to Simon. You have judged correctly, he told him in the... Second thing he's going to remind him of is that religion prevents you from seeing the needs of others. You judge correctly. And then I love verse 44. It says, turning to the woman. So you get this picture. Simon's maybe over here. The woman's behind him where she's been washing his feet. And he turns towards the woman and addresses Simon. Do you see this woman? That's more than have you visually made notice that she's here. That is, do you see her? Do you recognize her? Do you know her? Do you understand her? He said, I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet. Now, in those days, when you walked on the street, your feet got dirty. They shared their streets with animals, people, produce. Do you know what animals do when they walk on streets? They do what animals do when they walk on streets. You ever been a parade behind the horses? What Jesus? Y'all told Paul Sunday yesterday. What Jesus ride in on? A donkey, right? You shared st- streets with donkeys, so the feet were nasty. You walked in somebody's house. They had their servant or they did something to wash your feet or at least they gave you water. Simon didn't even do any of that. He said, she washed my feet with her tears. She didn't have water either. But she used what she had. You gave me no kiss. Now that seems a little weird, but in their day you gave them a kiss. That was a welcome. That was a hello. How are you doing? And she hasn't stopped. You didn't anoint my head with oil. The truth is, if your feet had been walking on those kind of things, they didn't take showers every day. They didn't have suave or herbal essence or dial soap, all right? So guess what? They, as the King James says, stinketh. All right? So you put a little oil on you to make you smell a little better. He said, you can do that. And she has taken this expensive jar and broken it and has anointed my feet. With the fragrant roll. I tell you, her sins are forgiven. That's why she loves me so much. But the one who's forgiven little loves little. You know what he basically says to Simon? You have been completely inconsiderate of me since the moment I walked in. Can I tell you something as a religious person, church folk? We are an inconsiderate bunch. A lot of the times. We're not mean. We're not trying to be. We're not mad. We're not bad people. You just. We're inconsiderate. And he says. Think about this. 
He says to Simon, who is such a prominent Pharisee that he's the one they get to invite Jesus to lunch. He says to Simon that this prostitute, probably, this woman who is a sinner, could teach you a thing or two about how to practice religion. Completely blind to the needs of others. Here's the last thing. Religion prevents you from recognizing the presence of God. Look what happens there. He said to her, your sins are forgiven. Those who are at the table began to say, who is this man who even forgives sins? You know who the man is? He's God. The Messiah, the King, the Chosen One, the Anointed One, the One you have waited on, the One that has promised, the One that will save you, and you don't even see it. Because they're so caught up in their religious rules, they can't recognize the movement of God. Who is this man? He's God. Alpha and Omega, beginning and end, King of kings and Lord of lords. It is Jesus the Christ. I ask myself, how many times in my life have I missed the movement of God trying to be religious? Trying to follow some rules. And missed out on something amazing he wanted to do. This week, it's Holy Week services. We're going to gather all week. This is just the appetizer for what's going to be a great feast. I'm not talking about lunch after. I'm talking about the rest of the week. But I don't want us to go through this week thinking that just because we're following religious obligations, we've somehow honored the presence and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because he came to rescue us from religion and to give us a relationship. Would you pray with me?